I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to What Are the Cobblers, Friday Night Lights, going out on a Sunday ahead of Monday's League Two playoff second leg v Cheltenham. Tonight, we've got the usual Motley crew talking all things Cobblers and Cheltenham game. First up, we've got Andy Bodfish back. How are you doing, Andy? Uh, yeah, all right, mate. Yeah, as well as can be expected after the other night, but uh, yeah. Yeah, it was, a, it, was a t- it was a tough night for Cobblers, but we'll, we'll talk about that in a bit. It's, All's not over, and especially since we've spoken to people like Ian Clarkson, it just shows you that we came back from 3-1, so back in the night, so it can be done. Um, we've got Martin Maloney in the house. Hello, Martin. Hi, Tom. Yeah, are you are you feeling sort of pessimistic or optimistic about? I think re- I'd call it realistic, which probably shades towards pessimistic. <laughs> we've, we've, we've seen stuff done. We've had comebacks before. Um, I will talk about it more, but I was hugely impressed with Cheltenham and that's not like the Mansfield or Bristol Rover sides that we I think we came back against in previous years. It's quite interesting actually I'll bring Ian and say hello to Ian now. Um, Ian we talked to the Cheltenham fan he, he was talking about their manager and you're quite impressed with Michael Duff aren't you Ian and it sort of showed on. When we were going to talk to him I you know, looked, looked him up and looked up Cheltenham and that was when the fear crept in and I thought, oh, hang on a minute, these look pretty <laughs> decent. Looking at their form going into the game, yeah, and it came true. So, but you never know, do you? I think Duff just seems to be a quietly impressive sort of manager and he's on the upgrade. I don't know necessarily you could say that about Curl, but we might have sort of caught him at a good time in his managerial career and apparently he was like really, um, Duff was really calm on Monday and just probably told his side just to calmly go out about their business and so it played out. Ian, did you, what did you make of the game overall? Tough night, wasn't it? Well, yeah, obviously they were impressive and I'm sure we'll talk about the way Cobblers played, but there was points in the game where it might not have gone that way, you know? (laughs) And I just think Monday night, if we get an early goal, that's 2-1 on aggregate. It's never over, is it? It doesn't matter how well you play. It's, it's a results business. That first goal is going to be crucial. They're going to want that goal to consolidate what they've got and we're going to want it just to get a bit of a sniff back into it. Andy, how did you 
how did you sort of see the game on on Thursday night? Well, I just echo I think what I've heard already. Pretty impressed with with Cheltenham. Certainly after a 100 day plus layoff to yeah. uh, to start as brightly as they did. I mean the back three as well, spot on, weren't they? Raglan, Tozer, and Boyle. Pretty impressive unit at the back there. You know they rode they rode their luck, didn't they? Just as Ian mentioned there, completely different evening if that penalty goes in. Um, completely different mood around the match, but it didn't. Um, so they, you know, they rode that that little bit of fortune. Well, rode fortune, but an excellent keeper there, of course. He he was excellent, wasn't he? Evans all night, and you know they took their chances, didn't they? But while there's life, there's hope, and it's only half time. Let's talk about that penalty a little bit. I'll go to Martin what he thought. But I'm trying to sort of think about whether it was a really good save or a, a poor shot, but it might have just well been just a, a fairly good penalty and just a really good save Martin yeah I think I, I think the thing with penalties is the, they always look poor penalties when they're saved guessing they wouldn't have seen Watson take too many penalties because he's not he's not been on them for us it's been Hoskins for the last little while but I thought it was a very good save anytime the keeper saves a penalty it's, it's a good save and that you know I only echo again what a cracking keeper he is I'm not sure what his plans are for next year but you know, if we're if we're looking for a keeper that, and I saw that name coming in, I'd be, I'd be really happy. But I, I think it felt like Watson telegraphed. I I just ran back from, from having a pee back into the living room um, as the pen was given, and it looked for all the world he was going the way he went. And I think the keeper seen that as well, and um, he, he saved it. So yeah, that didn't get us off to a, off to a good start. Although you know, um, if you're creating chances and penalties are you know chances you create by being in the opposition box then it's not all bad you know it's not like I think we're going to review this game and think well you know we're we're doomed we're you know we're a poor, we're a poor side I think we create a lot of chances so couple, you know that great really good save you made from Oliver in the foot toward the end of the first half uh great save Molly Inca and um then the one the sort of Charlie Morton pass was slightly behind Oliver that just you know the time it took Oliver to sort his legs out Again, though, Evans makes a brilliant save. So I think we we came up against a really good a good side who played really, really well. And I think they're, they're well led. I've heard a lot of good things about Duff. Seeing his post-match interview, I can see why he's he's touted for big things. I don't think he's destined to stay in the West Country for too much longer. Yeah, like I said, he's a quietly impressive individual as a manager. Um, it was interesting speaking to the Cheltenham fun last time and when he was talking about the midfield three for Cheltenham including um, Broom I thought he's, he's a very good player I just just got that feeling that the central midfield was going to be really key and as I feared really I think they overwhelmed us at time through the through the middle and we didn't actually use the centre midfield too much did we, we have, Ian, a lot of a lot of long balls again yeah midfield. <laughs> I don't know it's it's a fair question Alan McCormack as well. I was concerned if he was going to last past 60 minutes. He got past 60, yeah. 67. And for me, a key player like McCormack, you need him all the way through to 90 minutes. And he's a really good player, but yeah, yeah, sort of petered out. And in that, that's that central midfield just didn't get much of the ball at all, did they? For Cobblers. Ollie, Ollie, yeah, exactly. Oli Yinker, I think is you know, there's there's a there's a spark there, isn't there? Again, little moments, isn't it? You know, if um, if that flies in, 
you know, Evans doesn't get across to that effort. It's a little bit different. You just want a little bit more spark. I've, I've felt that for, for a long while with with the cobblers. You, you're just looking for a bit of invention somewhere. I know it's difficult at this level to find that type of sort of creativity, but I thought at times the other night, you know, you, you just, you, you're looking for a bit of invention from somewhere, really. When we looked at the team, I, I thought the midfield was wrong. You know what you're going to get from McCormack, and that was probably his least effective game, but McCormack plays the way McCormack plays, and that, that's never going to change. I thought the other two lads, though, it was the wrong combination. Oli Inka came up with a couple of moments of magic that another day we've won that 1-2-1, and we're, you know, he's man of the match, and he's our number 10 of the future. But I thought they were all players that play in the same area. They'll give you a shift. They're hardworking. I was surprised not to see a lines or somebody else that maybe would try and play a slightly different or maybe a pass. It was very much like a workman-like midfield of all hard-working lads. That's true, but to be honest with you, we play so many direct and long passes that you could have Messi in the middle there and he, he wouldn't really necessarily get the ball. I just think that... I just, I just think that you, there was no plan B, and this has been this has been levelled at Keith Carr for a long time. And it just, they just there was wasn't any flexibility when certain things weren't working. They just, we just didn't seem to be just like flogging a dead horse with the same tactics. And I think that did actually pay pay by the end because at least at least Cheltenham could mix it up a little bit, and we just didn't have that. Yeah, I don't, I don't think any of the changes particularly changed the dynamic of the game, and that that's on, you know, that's on Curler. There was a game. Um, at Carlisle earlier in the season on Tuesday night where Harriman had come in. Harriman had played really well and he got subbed at half. It wasn't going particularly well. It was nil-nil. And Harriman got subbed and we went from four, I can't remember, four, yeah, 4-4-2 to 3-5-2. Pollock, I think Pollock came on and we played brilliant second half. And it was, yeah, we'd spotted there. The dynamic was wrong and we got ourselves set up to play with a, a structure that seemed to suit the better players we've got. I didn't see evidence of that on Thursday, which was disappointing. Although equally, if you look at the chances we created, however ugly it was, another day, Oliver's got a brace and Oli has got a brace. We, we created a lot of stuff. We just didn't get the knockdowns right. The, the final pass was poor. So we, I think the creativity had to come from somewhere else. And even if you're pumping it long and playing to your strengths and, you know, I'm no purist. I'm like, you, you play to what's going to get yourself... You still want good midfielders because that ball is going to spend a lot of time in the midfield, even if your primary ball is, let's get it forward early. Yeah. I want someone getting it forward early who's going to try and put it in the right place. And we were too workmanlike, and I think it made us too easy to place. And I would I'd certainly expect, and I'm sure we'll go on to team selection for Monday, but I think there'll be at least a couple of changes in personnel. I felt that because of the COVID-19 and, you know, this theme of social distancing I just felt I felt from both playoff games that there was a certain amount of standoffishness not that Charlie Good really got that memo there was there, we basically we couldn't get in the faces of the opposition as we as we normally do and that just gave them Cheltenham a slight bit of space to play and when you give them space to play they've got players that can play on the deck and can and can hurt you and it was funny actually um that Myself and Ian were talking to the Cheltenham fan Owen Knight about um, their set pieces and stuff, and they said we got a few. And he said they've got a few corner routines and stuff. Just watch out for him. And then it so it happened that they scored from a really well worked corner. I thought, although the defending 
we we'll have to talk about zonal marking as well. But it was a well-work corner and good movement um, to score, don't you think? Some someone was saying online that um, Good was trying to win a free kick on that on that goal. He was trying to do his usual, um, you know, where he falls over when no one's near him, social distancing, um, free kick, and gets a free gets a free kick in his own area. And obviously, it hit him and went in, didn't it? It looked like uh, I think it was Callum Morton. As well, it just went over his head, and I think maybe he would have been expected to attack that. But zonal marking for me is always a bit of a, a strange one. If you've got a top level defence, maybe they're capable of doing it. But at League Two level, it's just. It's something that I used to work quite a fair bit with um, Stuart Robson, um, ex Arsenal player. He's got a real pee in his bonnet, always has done about zonal marking. I mean, again, I think probably can't speak for Stu, but I think if he was sitting, bearing in mind this is a you know chap that played and stuff in teams that try to organise things that way. It's almost a habit. So you're talking about um, coming back after 100 days and yes, it's so, you know, you can sort of practice it in training and get up to speed there, but, you know, it's a completely different environment of, you know, sort of competitive again. It's a lot of the time it's habit. So they scored the corner, but we had chances of our own and the Oliver one is the big standout one where Morton broke free cut a really nice ball across and it was just, it just fell on his left foot which was a problem yeah. if he hit that first time you think that's going to be a goal don't you really I, I think it was a hard job for Oliver to sort his feet out and I'm not so sure for a player at the level he is that Morton would put his hand in his heart and say that was a good ball I think he's, he's, you know, he's, got, he's got it past the, the guy he's beat and past the keep but you, you want to be putting it in front of someone, or trying to put it in front of someone. It's behind. I think maybe Morton was aware that he could, he, he might have been likely to go offside. So I think he's he's hit it slightly behind to sort of usher um, Oliver back onside. It's not it's it's not an easy thing when you're you're breaking like that. You can easily find yourself in offside. He's one. Of, I guess we're going to analyse the misses because on another day, two or three of these have gone in and we've won three one. Exactly. We've had no football to talk about for a hundred days, and now if, you know we're having to because it's the only the only show in town. We're having to overanalyze all of this, but we don't have the luxury of let's take another six games and see what's working, see what's not, and change accordingly. Oh, by the way, we're all probably wondering how you know sharp and match fit the players were going to be. What about the uh, what about the linesman? Yes. Yes. Hey. Where, where's he doing his stretching? What's he been doing for the last three months? You know, he's certainly not been limbering up, has he? Hey, what was all that about? I think um, Pete Walton was doing some of the commentary, wasn't he? And he's a, he's oh. a Premier League level referee. And apparently he was uh, down to, you know, if there was another feather injury, he was going to get his, he probably had his kit and his bag knowing him. Classic. <laughs> he's ready to Classic. go. Been at the cobblers before when that's happened. When I've heard them put it over the tunnel. If Pete Walton's here, can he please come to the come to the tunnel? Because that that situation, <laughs> I guess, that, like that a, like a doctor on a plane type thing. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's why he got that pass. You know that press pass because they thought, well, not only can you be you know the the um, the expert contact, you can also uh, be. <laughs> His uh, fourth official. I reckon uh, any referee worth his salt should wear the referee outfit underneath their clothes. So they go to a wedding. What's that I hear? There's a Sunday league uh, game going on the pitch next door. He's a referee. I'm here. And, uh, As it yeah. so happens, I have my whistle with me. Yeah, I love it. 
Well, they could perhaps um, just get all the old retired referees out of retirement for a, one game. You know, like the people that are in retirement from the NHS came back and, and joined the, the, the front. That you know, you get Uriah Rennie out of retirement. Um, <laughs> just a few of the legend, legendary. Mr. Retired. Mr. Pete Don. Oh God, <laughs> David Ellery. These are some real heavyweight um, referee names. Um, Keith Hackett. There was, yeah, Keith Hackett. Well, there, there's a there's a feature, isn't it, for when we start to run out of material over the summer. <laughs> My favourite referee. What can uh, can Keith Hackett still hack it? There we go. That's a good little headline. Um, do you remember we were talking about Sixfield Boys the other day, the uh, Sixfield Boys song? Yeah, yeah. New version for um, 2013 playoffs, and they were singing all the players' names. Instead of Chris yeah, Hackett, yeah. he said Keith Hackett. <laughs> he actually called Chris Hackett Keith Hackett on that. Really? It. Yeah. This has taken a strange interlude down. Uh, it has. Never mind. Let's, let's get back on track. It takes our mind off a first leg playoff defeat. <laughs> let's get back on track. Sorry, mate. I was going to say that the bright player for me was definitely Ole Yinka from Arsenal, who just showed, he just seemed to me like, right, this ball is going direct quite a lot, but I'm just going to still going to do my thing. So when he could, he got the ball down on the floor and he did that really good run where left foot, right foot, jinxed in between and then let, let rip a really good long range curler, which showed a bit of high level technique really and he might if he plays in the next game might be a, a game changer in our ranks don't you think he'd obviously missed a few games injured but he looked really really impressive probably playing a bit deeper it was his i think when you'd seen him play previously it was his work rate his effort get you know getting stuck in but there's clearly some some talent and good footwork there we need him to not be crowded out i think the problem was he was he was crowded out because we we probably played one more midfielder than we ought to if you want him to have space to, to move about, but I think he needs to be in a two. The right side was a bit of a weakness. For me, Harriman is not a wing-back, and he's just more of a fairly bog-standard full-back, in my opinion. And there was a lot of talk of Marshall starting, who probably you would consider to be more of an attacking player, and he never he didn't start. So it'd be interesting. I think Hoskins coming back will it has a potential add to add a bit of a difference because Hoskins does eat that pitch up. He does carry the ball and does vent pressure. So that when Hoskins comes back and begins to carry the ball a bit, it might create a bit more of a link up to Ole Inca and give him a bit more support. That might, that might play out. Do you think uh, Ian that Hoskins will add anything coming back? I think he'll, I think he'll play. You know, Curl rarely gets through any, um, he rarely gets through a game without making changes. You'd imagine Hoskins would uh, be back in back in the team. Um, he stops running, does he? <laughs> no, he. Yeah, he has the ability to, to carry the ball, like I said. And I think the only thing I would say is I remember under Chris Wilder, Hoskins was a, more of a bit part player, whereas under Keith Cole, he's almost come into that sort of fairly crucial category. Now. Did Wilder sort of have Hoskins' number to an extent that he isn't really any more than a pit part operator? Or, I don't know, maybe he's progressed a little bit under Carl, so I'm not sure if no, he's going to have the, that. The, the, the first bit of what you just said, <laughs> basically, yeah. if I could just weigh in here. I mean, Hoskins, yeah. is, you know, we're talking about certain levels of football here, aren't we? Mm. And, um, you know, since I've sort of started going a little bit more regularly again, 
this season. I can detect around me a sort of, you know, a, some like minds in the Go on, Sam, give it 110. Oh, never mind. He'll definitely play. I agree with Ian there. He'll come back into the team, won't he? And um, he, he will have the game of his life and score a hat-trick and, you know, it'll be fine. <laughs> if Hoskins was a natural finisher or had more finishing ability, he would be playing at a high level because he do- he has got that pace and he has got um, an ability to just play up and yeah, he's got a great work rate, but he's not. And that is why he plays in League Two. He's not a complete player. So he'll have oh, good games, bad games. You know, he'll flatter to see some, some, some days. Some days he'll, you know, score a good goal. So we just have to hope that if which, and when he can win. Exactly. He, I agree 100%, which is why I was trying to couch it in those terms. You know, it's all about levels, isn't it? And you've got yeah. to manage your expectations, basically. What would you say, Andy, that Cobbler's got to do in the second leg to get back into this tie? What What would you say they need to focus on? Attack. Attack, attack, attack. I mean, be, yeah, be, um, obviously be a little bit more precious with the ball in the middle of the park. It's, it's just going to be a sort of, it's going to be a, an assault, isn't it? It has to be. It's, you know, your season, weird season as it's been, comes down to, to this match, basically. Well, we know, we know what we've got to do. It's, as Martin was saying earlier, obviously we prefer to be in Channel's position, but we've got a target now. We, we can't go out and just yeah, quite. fart yeah. about. We have to throw the kitchen sink at him, don't you think, Martin? Just go for it. And I think we, we've we've got to be positive, which sounds a bit cliched, but I think we have to we have to change it up. I think the game plan that we had on on Thursday, I think there's clear things that we that we didn't have. Now Hoskins, I'm 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 very much in the pro Hoskins camp. I like what he gives. I think everyone, whether you like him or not, knows if he could finish, he'd be playing Championship or Premier League. If Hoskins starts uh, right wing back in the same sort of shape, maybe with a couple of changes in the middle of midfield and one up top. Or we go even more adventurous and we go something like four four two, and we we That's start. What I'd like to see him do go four four two. Yeah. To be honest, I I think my gut feeling is I think we will. I think the centre halves were un, were underemployed. Um, I think we'd ease. You could easily leave term much as I like Turnbull as a player. We've got three very good centre halves. You leave, Tur- you leave Turnbull out. You go with two up front. Maybe you change the combination. I think I'd like to see Will- Williams in there. And certainly in a, in a two. I think I like having Oliver or a big man because we will be, we're always going to be quite direct. And certainly if you've got a combination of Adams playing as a proper winger and either Marshall or Hoskins playing as a proper winger, you're expecting that ball to be going over. And I'd want Oliver or Smith in there to, to win those knockdowns for, for Morton or Williams. But... I think you know that would that would change the dynamic. I just think if we go out and play the same, uh, and I know I've sort of said, well, you know, on, on the chances we created, if we had a few games of playing like this, maybe in a couple other games we win them four, four or five because of the the chance we create, but we take them. But I think we we've got one we've got one shot at this, and then we've got the summer off. Yeah, we need let's do something different. We've and I've seen him switch between games from three at the back to four at the back. I think now it's time to go for it. And I'd even go with, go 4-4-2 and play Hoskins at right back to give you a double threat on that side. Right, let's talk to our Cheltenham fan, Owen Knight, about the game on Thursday night. Hello, Owen. Hi, mate. How are you feeling? Yeah, yeah, good question, actually. Um, Yeah, just sort of getting over the, the defeat a little bit now and, 
looking forward to the next game because um, it was obviously gutting the, the result. 1-0 would have been all right, just about the, the second goal sort of might have killed it for us. But, you know, they're still hoping for it, wasn't there? How do you, uh, how do you see it after the, the win for Cheltenham? Obviously, at the time, it's just uh, it's kind of pure elation, really, isn't it? Like I, I remember saying after the game how we could go three months without football and play as we did. We picked up pretty much where we left off. I think after a few days, you look back at it and you think, I mean, there were some points in that game. It could just have been a completely different scoreline for either team because there were so many big moments in that game which which could have changed the way we were looking into the second leg, personally. I do think you were good value for the... Yeah, with a win, the better side, just definitely on the floor. Um, I, I felt that because of the social distance and everything, I'm not sure if they've been told to sort of slightly take it easy. Although Charlie Good never got the memo, obviously, but take it easy in the tackle. That that means we couldn't get in your face as much as we normally do. So we're very much like a pressing side, and we like to harry the opposition. And I felt that because we didn't really do that, it just gave you a bit more space to play and a bit more time and you were a better football inside than us. So um, no complaints about the result, really. The key thing looking at Northampton was that lack of a plan B. And yeah, definitely. Saw it, we saw it ourselves under Gary Johnson, but you just mm. you could see every time what you were trying to do. And obviously yeah. your, your your style of football is more physical. It is get up there as quick as possible. But there's different yeah. ways around that. There's, there's different ways the way we play it and we can see that Duff does have a plan B at times. There's a guy on Twitter uh, called Phil Garlick and he, he put a good um, quote from Marcy Ardiles up. I can't remember exactly, but it basically says that if all you do is knock it long, you're not really trusting the football ability of your players. Um, and I think that's right to an extent. We don't really know. You can say who your, be- your best footballers are, really. I would probably point to Broome. And to be fair, you had quite a few on the day. But yeah. for us, because we just play long all the time, we don't really know who's who's a good footballer on the deck and who can do all yeah. the basics. That midfielder you had, you've got a name from Arsenal, he looked good. First half, he looked really good. Yeah, probably the only one that managed to get it on the floor and run yeah. with it a bit and show some... Because he's not, he's not bred into play like that. So it, it, our style is will be alien to him. So he's like, right, I'm going to do what I do. Arsenal. Yeah. Got the ball down. He did had that really good run where he jinxed through a few players and did a really nice curling shot. So... He showed, you know, a bit of brightness on the day. And if we can show that that sort of thing again a bit more in the second leg, and I, I reckon we'll have to just throw the kitchen sink at you on, on Monday and just absolutely try and batter you and try and get those two goals because then that could shock you into, you know, um, playing, not playing your game. That's the only yeah. thing I, I can see it asking. I, I, I think one of the main things looking into the, the whole return of football is the... Um, the home advantage is sort of no longer. Mm. I mean, like I did say it would take a complete disaster for us to concede three goals in the game. But when we played you at home, we did concede first. That I do never say never. And I think speaking to my friends in our group chats, we're getting more nervous again, sort of going into the second leg because there is sort of the oh, what ifs. Keith Carroll will have to say to Cobblers on Monday, although it's social, you know, COVID-19 and everything, we're going to have to try and get in amongst these break up their play, <clears throat> excuse me, and um, just try and get them off the game and then get in, their he- get in your heads a little bit, you know, because if we get one goal, it just gets us back in the tie a little bit. And then if, if we can get two, it's been done before. We've done it before. We've come back from 3-1 in a playoff line back in 1998. So it can be done, but I just think overall you're a better side. So 
I just, I think overall you'll win, you know, being a betting man, but stranger things have happened, I guess. Going physical versus skill didn't work on Thursday. So we need, we need a little bit more of a mix up and it'll be interesting to see if Keith Cole can be adaptable. Is, is your manager more, a bit more adaptable, would you say? I think, I think so. Yeah, we, we definitely adapt to the game situation, what's going on. I think before the game, we saw Tom Nichols was starting up front with Reed. Um, and my mate in the back garden almost walked out seeing his name on the team sheet starting because he's not a prolific striker and he's only played a, like a handful of games for us since he's come on loan from Bristol Rovers. Um, but, I mean, he he was fantastic. He just he worked his socks off. Even Reed, Reed was superb as well. He's probably not had a lot of game time this season. I mean, he did look good this half of the season uh, when, it, when he has been fit. But... Nichols was fantastic, and I think Connor, Connor Thomas got a lot of plaudits on Thursday. And last season he was horrendous. Like we were oh, hoping, okay. he, we were hoping this was under Gary Johnson and sort of as Duff sort of come in, he just he was lacked a daisy call. He, he can pass a simple five yard pass. And this season he's been probably one of the most influential players in the midfield. And he got lots of plaudits from the commentators on Sky Sports about how important and then and that served him so well getting that getting that goal at the end because that summed it up I mean he's, all his goals this season have been penalties and his shot was from the penalty spot pretty much but <laughs> it summed it up you know. a lot of the stuff that we feared came to pass so we feared the inflexibility we feared the the route one because all the all the all the commentators on Sky were just talking about how direct we were even before the game and yeah. you don't really want to get that reputation as the hoofball merchants and that's yeah. Funnily enough, although we're in the playoffs and we should be quite grateful, well, very, very grateful, really, there's still this nagging thing that is that this is the style of football we should want to be playing as a football club. And is it a bit like desperate, desperate way of playing, just pinging balls into the box and long balls all the time? It's just, yeah, something's not sitting right there. But if we win, no one cares. So That's it. It's a very difficult one because you think of some of the people who've, who've played that, managers even higher than Northampton, you know, you've got Tony Pulis type. Who have bought yeah. success with it? I expect us to be on it from the first minute on Monday, and then, like I say, grab grab a, a goal. If you can go one nil up in fifteen twenty minutes, then it's all to play for. But if you score early on, it might be curtains. But we'll see, I guess. Never say never. Yeah, exactly. Um, you've got all your cardboard cutouts, haven't you, in the home end like we had. We had yep. loads of all cats and dogs in our one as well, Magic Kilo Neil. Um Kilo Neil, yeah. are you involved with the is it Holly Gazard Trust? Yes, uh, we are. Obviously Holly Gazard uh, people in Northampton wouldn't know. She was um she was murdered by her ex boyfriend in a in a place of work in her hairdressers in Gloucestershire. Um and they they've become the uh I think charity partner this year. Uh so with the eighteen eighty seven Red Army we uh Put on a um, we had a big flag one for one game this season. Uh, I think it was Leighton Orient at home. That's a brilliant um, initiative, and I know some Cobblers fans have bought some uh, place in their way. And I think we've got like seven or eleven fans or something, but uh, probably about as many as normal. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But see the game going. Like, what would you your score prediction be if I can sort of push you on that? Um, I think. I mean, I probably said it in the first leg. It would be one all, but I could see. I'll go 2-1 Cheltenham. That's a fair shout. I'm going to go 2-1 Northampton. And if my maths are right, that means we're sadly out because you will have uh, three goals and we'll have two. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think yeah. we'll I think we'll score maybe a couple, but you'll score enough to, to get the job done. 
if we come back, it's going to be an almighty comeback. And if you yeah. win, probably show you the best side over the two legs. So, you know, let the best thing win. I'll speak to you soon, mate. Take care. Yeah, take care. All the best. Cheers. So that's more than enough talk about Cheltenham Town and their playoff chances. Let's get back to ours. Ian, what do you reckon about Keith Curl and whether he's going to tinker or not? Uh, yeah, who am I to second guess Keith? Uh, you know, mysterious Curl, but <laughs> I mean, he certainly he seems to prefer three-five-two. Will he go for broke? Will he tinker? He's known to tinker, isn't he? I mean, tinkers with a squad. Is he comfortable changing the way he plays? I don't know. Um, I think we do need to throw everything at it. But then if we do, there's always a chance they'll score on the counter, isn't there? It's it's, it's hard. But like you say, it's last game till what? Potentially September? Could potentially be um, his last game. <laughs> Full yeah. stop, couldn't it? Who not, you know, I think you're gonna, we're going to come to that in a minute. I don't know. I don't know. Depends. He sees him in training as well, doesn't he? So... Which you know, which, I wonder. I wonder why why he decided to switch the keeper as well. I wonder. I wonder if why he, he decided to uh, to drop Cornell. What, what do you think? Thinking was there. I think that Cornell for me. I've 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 never been particularly a massive fan. I I can understand why people like him, but he just always reminded me of a Chris Dunn that he's got a mistake in him, and I think maybe Arnold is just considered slightly more safe pair of hands in that sort of high pressure game in terms of Keith Curl mixing things up tactically there was some talk not that Curl particularly do it but even trying three up front because the midfield is so sort of missed out by the direct play that if you put uh, for instance Morton Williams and Oliver together that that would be enough of a you know if we're throwing the kitchen sink at them just absolutely pile balls into the boxes and just let them wreak havoc but like oh, yeah. like like you said Ian that that could leave us sort of uh full victim on the counter so maybe full fun to watch if he does do that won't it <laughs> yeah four four two is more of a safe bet if you were gonna play three up top I think Hoskins has to be one because he'll at least be in those channels True, whereas yeah. the two big lads Williams or uh, Morton all want to play down the middle. I think, yeah, maybe go Morton Hoskin, Morton Hoskins, and I either Williams or Oliver. That starts to give it. But then I think to get our best players in the best areas, I hadn't made me mind up before the pod, the pod. But as, as we think about it, I'm like that four four two. If we lined up like that, we, we might still lose the game. We we won't get through. But in terms of maximising. Getting your dangerous. Where do you want Nicky Adams to have the ball? You want him to have the ball out on the out on the wing. Yeah. You know, you want if you can have Marshall and Hoskins down that side. Hell, we could lose three 0 because they've spanked us down that side because they're not that great defensively. But if we get on top, if you've got Marshall running at you and you've got Hoskins overlapping, it would put us on the front foot. We'd be asking the questions of them. There has to be some change. So we come off the pitch you know with the players heads held high and Duff hasn't had it his own way so whether that's tactically whether that's just a massively increased work rate I guess we'll see and Ian alluded to it earlier it will play it will it's going to have to play into Keith Cole's future really because if we even if we put up a really good performance and lose valiantly or we win that's gonna give Keith a big boost in keeping his job because his contract is up 
you know, fairly imminently. But, you know, if we go out and lose in a, in a fairly tame way, I think there, I think there will be sad but true question marks over whether he gets a new, new contract. And I'll go to Martin on this one first. I know Martin doesn't look, really think we need any more change. So I sort of can guess his answer already. But <laughs> do, you that, do you think that Keith Curl, you know, at this moment in time, should get a new contract or, or not? Um. Yeah, I'd certainly go. I'd certainly go with it another year. Um, I think, I think back to kind of around twenty, around sort of 2013, 2014, um, we had some shambolic times really from when Sam, from when Samson went, Chris Wilder come in to not not much acclaim, and kept us up the first season. Flirted with, but didn't remember. Didn't even get into the playoffs the next season with a, a fairly okay squad. And the following season, then it was almost like it took that long to get things exactly how and a load of things fell into place. We've had, you know, four, uh, three, four, three, yeah, three managers in between Wilder and Curl who mm. took us back, who took us backwards. You know, some because they were out of their depth. Uh, some because they tried stuff it didn't work and some because they, they were rubbish or obnoxious people or some combination of all. With Curl, yeah, it's unspectacular, but I've seen progress from last year. He kept us up. I've seen progress from this year. You know, we've got in the playoffs. We've then had a, a poor game in a, in a fairly weird setup. I think if we go and do the same thing again on on Monday night, take the same approach, and it doesn't work, then I think that would count against him in terms of decisions that have been made, and some of it is around who's available. Uh, but I think I'm not ready to like go back to square one again because we kept mm-hmm. trying that, and we ended up going from being running away with League Two to to worrying about staying in League Two. Um, sometimes you do have to take a step back um, and sort of look at the the bigger picture of where your club is in the the grander scheme of things. I mean, Martin just mentioned there the, um, you know, the sort of hectic nature of town's managerial appointments after Wilder left. And I think on balance, again, it was mentioned just a moment ago, you look at this season as a whole, <laughs> okay, it's been an unprecedented year and the, the whole points per game waiting, but, you know, we still ended up as a playoff team. Um, the other day, you know, whatever happens tomorrow, the other day wasn't a dreadful performance by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I was annoyed in the shake-up at how much better Cheltenham were on the night. But, you know, um, this is still a playoff team and something special could happen tomorrow night. And, you know, we'll all get together in the middle of the week and be talking about, you know... The greatest night since Bri- <laughs> Bristol Rovers. Yeah, exactly. The greatest night since Bristol Rovers in '98. You know, it'd be interesting to see who's around and what and what you know. Clubs are going to be laying people off. It, it, it's good. A players and managers going to be available. If he can turn it round tomorrow night, Idem. <laughs> He's going to get us get to the final. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The the problem for me is, and I, I'll probably, I'll. Uh, I'll probably speak from the other side of things in terms of, um, you know, whether to give Keith Curl a new contract. I've sort of wrestled with it a little bit trying to think about it. There's two, there's two sides to it for me. One is the human side. He's clearly a good guy and 
he hasn't really done anything to not deserve a contract. And, you know, he wants to manage the football club, which not everyone does. Not everyone wants to come to Northampton. We're a bit of a backwater and he is, you know, bang up for the job. He is very enthusiastic about it and he clearly cares about it. So that's the human side of it, which is really important right now with what everything's going on in the world. And then the other side of it is the, the football for me just drives me sort of crazy sometimes. It's just, it's not really my cup of tea. And I just think that he's he's worked out what's effective in League Two and he's distilled it and distilled it and he's turned it up to 11. So much so that it becomes just too much. So just getting the ball out to Adams, pinging the ball in constantly, like constantly, you know, doing the same thing. And it just, for me, I don't, that's not really what I want to see. And what I worry about overall is these days with the, 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 the youth academy and stuff like that, you, you tend towards now, and most clubs do it as a uniformity throughout all the ranks. So the team plays in a very similar style all the way up to the first team. So the under 18s will play in a similar style. And I don't think that you will be should be really teaching the kids to play in that style or the under 17s under 18s i don't think it's the way to do it and that that is that's what worries me and also his reluctance to you use our homegrown players i saw scott pollock on the bench again and he's such a talented player and just doesn't get used enough so that weighs quite heavily for me and it's football's a, a tough game and it's not always about nice people going as far as they should. So I think, like you said, if we do lose... So you think you should bring Steve Evans in, Tom? <laughs> no, not Steve Evans, but I did notice, and I've been a fan of this guy for ages, uh, Keith Hill. from uh, He was at Rochdale, wasn't he? And he went to Bolton. That was a really yeah. hard job he had there. But he, he gets teams playing really good football on a yeah, really good small budget. So someone like him, I think there would, if he's available and you could get him down to Northampton, which is no mean feat because he lives in Manchester and let's face it, he wants to swap Manchester for Northampton. But someone like that that could get us playing and he's available, I think there's sort of questions to answer on that for um, for the board. And I've, there's, a, there's a lot of fans, quite a few fans that I, I hear that don't really like the style of play. So there's two sides to the coin. One that, you know, um, you guys have smelt out well, and then stayed, Could we I... stayed too Tom the games we've got in the North West um, next season <laughs> Keith yeah. could not stay in Manchester and, uh, yeah, if we go in on um, lo- lo- geo location I mean um, Sean Dyche is a no-brainer isn't it I mean Sean Dyche <laughs> does the opposite commute doesn't he Sean Dyche actually lives lives in Coventry Park apparently yes he, he does he sit he, he sometimes comes up on a on a Saturday, he sits on the end of our row at the back of the West Stand. Does he? Yeah. yeah he, he looks scary, even when he just sat there looking at his Oh, phone. he does. He's proper, proper scary. I think, Tom, you made, you made a point there. Whatever the, the rights and wrongs, what they do with curl or a, a replacement, you know, you and I are on different sides discussion. Yeah. But you hinted at something about clubs playing the same way the whole way, the whole way through that I think is where football is way way behind sports like sports like baseball. Yeah. Now I think, and I think the only team that have got this right, oh, it's probably a couple, probably Brentford and Peterborough. Now I I hate you know praising them buggers up the up the net, but it doesn't really matter who manages the first team there. They've had Grant yeah. McCann, they've had Steve Evans, because you have a director of football 
and rec- yeah. you have people in charge of recruitment say, right, these are the types of players we're going to bring in. Yeah. They will suit a way of playing. So for argument's sake, you have a director of football who plays a direct style. You say, right, this is what I'm looking for in footballers. Right. They're the players I come that that come in. I mean, I was just I was talking with me, me sister last week. My nephew's just been kept on. He's at he's at Lincoln City, as his review. But it, it could be like, well, actually, we're going to play a certain way. Doesn't matter who the manager is. You're not the type of player we're looking for. You go elsewhere. But if the manager then fails, yeah. it's not like, well, I'm only going to interview. You're probably not going to have Keith Hill and Keith Curl go into the same club to say, I'll make the most out of these players because you'll say, well, yeah. one lot will have one top, but you always give it an identity. I mean, it's one of the things I like, I've liked about Curl in a, with so many, well, two turgid, horrible years. Okay. I know what we're about now, but I think long-term football clubs will be more successful when they restrict the manager to being in charge of the first team. Yeah. Someone else is in charge of the identity club. At Posh, you know, McAntony is a really good chairman. Um, he puts it, you know, he's quite vocal in, in the media. But Barry Fry, effectively, looks after recruitment. You will play in a style that suits the players that Barry Fry brings in because you wouldn't bother turning up to do it otherwise. And I'd love us to get on that bus to say, right, OK, if, yeah. if it's what we're doing at the moment, great. Your head of recruitment is promoted to be more senior than the, um, than the team manager. But if team manager's failing, it's all right, we'll get another manager in who'll work with that, that type of players. Because otherwise, it becomes, and I know people are only on one or two-year contracts. It's not that long to tear it down. Yeah. But, you, you know, you've you've got to do it. But equally, I think the point on Scott Pollock, it's not another player who, ugh, even if we're going to play direct, let's not have three midfielders who all want to play within the same kind of 10 yards either side of the, um, the centre spot. Pollock will get around the place a bit, you know, other people will, Lines will try and pass it, you know, to feet longer. But I think you're exactly right. And maybe that that sort of recruitment of a sporting director or te- technical director, whatever you want to call it, is probably as important or more important than whoever whoever the next manager will be, because Keith Carl's not going to last forever, no matter how, how good he does. Um, Brentford, you've mentioned... They they operate that sort of thing. Plymouth have actually employed that, and they're they're taking on what you said in terms of playing to a style. And Norwich City in the Premier League, they very much do have a guy called Stuart Webber, who's really smart guy. Although they you know they're not pulling up any trees in the Premier League. Their their philosophy is we'll have ups and downs, but we're going to play this the way we believe in. We're going to recruit it. We're going to bring up from below the players through and. You know, in the long term, it will do us well. And I think the problem with sacking Keith uh, Keith Curl is, so you sack him, you sack the staff that he's brought in. You really, they go, his assistant, and then there's a vacuum at the top of the club in football knowledge. Foot, the football base goes, and so you, then you're starting again from zero. So I think you're exactly right in terms of the sporting director role. But there are going to be some really good people out of work or available that maybe you, you can chuck that club 50 grand that pays their wage bill for a couple of weeks mm. and suddenly you've got a way better manager than you you expected. And that would be, you know, you'd shake hands and just say, mate, sorry, someone, bet, someone better came along. Ordinarily, we wouldn't have got rid of you. So, you know, I think if you're, if you're making these decisions, you've got to weigh everything up. But that, for me, is one where we might have an opportunity 
that wouldn't present itself to ourselves. And, and if it is a better option than Keith Curl, then, you know, for the club, you, you go for it. But, yeah. you know, while my heart says, no, no, we stay because I, I feel I've seen this movie before of slow progression, getting better, better each season. Yeah. If something falls into your lap, you know, you, you, you've, you've got to take that. Yeah, I think that you're right that in terms of just sacking Keith Cole, not sacking him, but not, you know, not extending his contract without a, a solid plan in place to replace him in terms of the, in, the infrastructure, in terms of the football knowledge at the club, maybe a sporting director. Without, if you just get rid of Keith, um, Keith Cole and, right, we'll get someone in off the manager merry-go-round, it's not really going to cut it. I think the club are at that point now where they need to think about the next steps and how we're going to kick on into League One or whatever leagues will be in god knows what exists in the next few years um let's just say in six months time keith hill was the manager and there was a sporting director in i would say right they've fought this through keith hill plays to a really good footballing style we can get blood out of stones and then we've got a sporting director in there that would for me would say right they put a lot of fair amount of thought into this you know let's kick on but we'll see let's not talk about it too much because you know with all due respect to keith curl he's still in the still in the role and hopefully he'll do the business on Monday night. What do you reckon, um, Andy, how do you reckon it's going to go? Give us a score prediction for Monday night, Andy. Heart versus head, I suppose. Um, Sam Hoskins on target twice by minute number eight. Nice. Town begin to, you know, sort of control proceedings and a 3-0 win for town, away from home. Nice, nice. Uh, What about you, Ian? Okay, mate. I don't know. I hope we do it. You know, I hope we get if we get an early goal. Who knows? Um, it's it's hard to see. You know, Cheltenham got the best defence in the league as well, haven't they? So yeah, exactly. It's hard to it's hard to imagine them conceding um two or three goals. You know, to win this tie. Of course got it is, Ian. It's ridiculous to goals. imagine them conceding two or three goals. But this is a, you know, so it's the last match of the season, isn't it? You've got a lot yeah. of everything at it. Go on then, Martin. What about you, mate? How do you reckon it's going to go scoreline wise? Um. I'm gonna I'm gonna be optimistic in the sense that we change we change tactics we have a right good go yeah they're better than us I'm gonna go a nail biting three two win for us and we yeah that doesn't sound beyond the realms of possibility I just think you know again what you say that they are a good side you know probably better on paper overall I reckon. I reckon we can beat, beat beat them on the night, but probably not overall. I reckon two one to us. So we've got to get get in amongst them, and we've got to panic them. So an early goal, get an early goal, get them out of their headspace. Maybe switch it up. Maybe even halfway through the game, go four four two four three three or whatever four two three one even something like that. But get them out of their control them out of their confident and calm mindset. Get Michael Duff worrying a little bit, and then then mm. then who knows what you know with our set piece deliveries and our power we can we can do it but if we go into this tie thinking we're going to play exactly the same way a bit pedestrian and let Cheltenham have an easy ride of it it's gonna it's gonna end in tears so just hopefully we can come off the pitch on Monday night with heads held high giving it a really good go and you know well, hopefully win of course but I think I think we've got to get that early goal to silence their fans early on <laughs> <laughs> exactly right and I was just going to say, can I just colour in that, that one all, I think, is is not far off what I think will actually happen. Maybe even one nil up with four minutes to go. So there's, you know, it, it it's not, it's the hope that kills you, isn't it, half the time? And, you know, so, one nil up, four minutes to go, get the, 
Exactly. Get the crowd behind. No, forget it. Yeah. It's funny though, because I, despite everything, I actually really enjoyed the uh, the match on Thursday. I really enjoyed watching it. It's just good to watch a match again. Good, yeah. even though there was no fans there, it was good to see the stadium again. Good to see the players again. Did you see Cheltenham's cardboard cutouts ready for the game? They've got a couple of uh, usurpers They've in there. They've got two of the most hated men dictators. in Britain there. <laughs> <laughs> they haven't got any dictators, but they seem to have um, the cum dog Dominic Cummings and Piers Morgan in there. So. You know they've got uh, yeah. they got in high places. <laughs> but I reckon what they should do is like I reckon maybe Cheltenham have done this. They they know people are going to mess about and send in people like Dominic Cummins, so they probably thought sod it, we just take their money off them. Exactly. Like, so I think, <laughs> <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. Probably should have done that and just allowed any any old you know all our dictators could have been in there, the dictators stand, and then it could have been anyone like. <laughs> no, I'm surprised. I'm surprised no one uh, touted any dictators to take over from Keith Curl. <laughs> that is a good point, isn't it? Just with a well, rod of iron. So, so Saddam Hussein's son ran the Iraqi Football Association and the Olympic team in the 80s. Right. And, and, and they qualified for Mexico 86. I say let's give it a go. Well, if you were facing death by firing squad, you probably would qualify for Mexico 86. Well, you know, yeah, there are some yeah rather unpleasant stories about... Um, yeah, tra- training with doing heading training with um, like concrete medicine balls and stuff. Seriously, I mean, it, it got it got really dark, you know, for 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 badly performing players. Um, uh, anyway, anyway, very anyway. pampered anyway, aren't they? So they could do with a bit of uh, a bit of a tough treatment. I, I want to exactly. they don't have a head in a concrete medicine ball. It just sounds like yeah. a lot of concrete. To be fair. But yeah, listen, guys. Um, probably time to wrap up now. We've had a good chat about the game and what might happen on Monday, but let's uh, let's talk again after it and hopefully, fingers crossed, we could talk about something positive out of it. But thanks for talking to us and then speak to you soon, guys. Cheers, guys. Cheers, guys. See ya. Yeah. We're drinking champagne next time we talk. Yeah, we're, we're drying our sorrows with the uh, Castrol 9% now. I still haven't finished, but uh, <laughs> 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 I've dreaded that drink, but we'll, uh, I'll, I'll open it at some point. Take care, guys. Yeah. Speak Cheers, all. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, 